0: Welcome to our Frontline City Church Podcast. This message will activate and inspire you in the supernatural love of God to find your purpose and reach your destiny through Christ. Uh, Before I start, I just want to honor mom and dad. None of what you've seen here will have been possible without their support, their generosity. As Africa, Jesus, Africa, under your anointing, has accelerated. And we thank you for that. I want to pray for you. Because even as we stand here and we talk about a trip that's passed, there's opportunities opening um, because of who you are, because of your leadership and your guidance. And I, I honor you for that. And so, Father God, I just want to thank you for Frontline. I want to thank you for the leadership of this church. I want to thank you for for mom and dad, Lord, and for all that they invest so generously into the lives of everybody who goes out into mission. Father, we thank you that they empower new people, that they raise up new leaders, and Father, that they just encourage across borders and international territories and father we just pray that you would pour out your blessing on them today in jesus name amen, amen. amen. Grants touched on crossing the the jordan into the promised land and today my my message is about the joshua generation needs to arise um and over the past couple of weeks, as a church, we've been exploring and investigating and pursuing revival. And two weeks ago, Dan spoke about um, being wilderness de- moving from wilderness dwellers into occupiers of the promised land. Last week, Pastor Nikki spoke about revival being an attitude of the heart and a mind shift. And as I was exploring this, I I just realized that if we go look at what Joshua did and how he got to lead the people into the promised land, we have to go back to where the Israelites started. And so if we look at Exodus chapter 12, verses 35 to 36, um, now the Israelites had acted in accordance with the word of Moses, and they had asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. For the Lord God, for the Lord gave the, the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So they gave them what they asked, and so they plundered the Egyptians of those things. And that's an interesting thing. These people are slaves. And God has sent the plagues into the to, to Egypt, etc. And Pharaoh agrees to release them. But then they go and take from their owners, from the slave, from the slave masters, everything that they really had, had been deprived of before because they had God's favor. And so when these people left captivity, they didn't leave their poor, they left there with everything that they needed. And then, so the captives became the captor. They had lived in victory they weren't able to protect what God had given them. Because in, verse, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17, it says, It so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route for God thought, if the people encounter war, they'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. Okay, and what is it? <laughs> These people have... Or ask God to set them free. So the freedom has be, been granted them. But that the first obstacle that they face, God is concerned that they're going to choose to go back into captivity. And unfortunately, I think if we look around us and we're honest with ourselves today, that's exactly what is still happening around us. People come to, to the front for salvation. And they go home and they meet resistance. They think, okay, well, that was a mistake. They go to church, they get involved, they do discipleship, and then the church, the, the, they get requested to serve in the church. And I think, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And so they go back to where they were. And they lose sight of God. So, their own weakness. Their slave mentality took them into the wilderness and not the promised land. It was God's desire for them to go to the promised land. It was God's plan that to go from captivity to the promised land. And that, yes, there may have been challenges involved. But God would have seen them through that. But until they changed their mind to being victor, from slave to victor, they would have gone nowhere. And then they were unable to recognize what God had done for them. He had set them free and had favor on them. Yet they were unable to protect that which God had done for them. And throughout their journey in the wilderness, each time the going got tough, the same people would tell Moses, you should have left him in the slavery and captivity rather than bring them to a place of struggle. And if you go read through Exodus, each time, time and time again, they they come to a place where they are hungry and they say, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? They get thirsty, they say, why did you bring us here to die in the wilderness? You should have left us in Egypt. Why did this happen? Why didn't you leave us in Egypt? In order to move forward into the promised land, you have to move forward into the, the place that God's given you, even before you get there. Just what Grant was telling us now. You, you have to be generous before you can be wealthy. You have to Appropriate your blessing before you can have them. But then, in Exodus chapter 13 verse 18, it says, So God led the people on the wilderness road, looping around the Red Sea. The Israelites left Egypt in military formation. Okay, so God's already identified the fact that they're not strong enough to fight the battle. They're gonna to choose to go back to slavery, but yet he gets them to leave in a military formation. Have you thought about that? If they're not gonna fight anything, why in military formation? Because in the military there's discipline, there's order, there's unity, and there's authority. Without those things, nobody's going anywhere. You don't move a million people without discipline. Trust me, it's difficult enough to wake up 10 people with no discipline. (laughs) Okay, if you look around you, there's enough evidence around us of freedom without discipline, and it never ends well. Okay, without order, this freedom without order sees everybody doing their own thing. So this, this tribe's going that way, that tribe's going that way, that tribe's going somewhere else. And they're never going to get to a common destination. And again, if you look around us today, the disrespect for law and order has plundered a country into a crisis. And then, obviously, unity. Any group moving in any direction with a common purpose is a seriously intimidating force. The Israelites were one of the smallest nations, but if they moved in the in unity, they were a mess that was an, a, a daunting sight okay and then also in authority there are leadership structures implemented and submitted to okay so we people were grown into leaders to positions of authority and my question to you today is how our faith de- requires all those, those, those items. Discipline, order, unity, and authority. How is your discipline of prayer? How is your discipline of fasting? How is your discipline of tithing? Can, are you preventing yourself from stepping into the promised land. Okay, these people were the reason they couldn't go to the promised land, because they had to be taught discipline in the wilderness. If you look around us, in churches today, in society around us as a whole, okay, there are people who have been walking through the wilderness for years, and have no hope, and have no sight of the promised land. And it's in this environment of people being trained in discipline and in the wilderness that Joshua is trained to succeed Moses. He didn't know it. He was just being prepared. And the first thing he did is he became an aide to Moses. He sought to serve and support Moses. In Exodus 33 verses 9 to 11. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of of the cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke to Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of the tent. That's important to notice, okay? You know how the story goes, okay? After the incident at Mount Sinai, God said, I don't want to be amongst those people, so he took his tent and he put it outside, where they were were situated, okay? So Moses went to meet God at the the tent of meetings. Whenever Moses went in, God would come down in a pillar of cloud, and he would meet face-to-face with Moses. And when the people saw this after their last issue at Mount Sinai, they would stand at their tents, at their own tent, in the entrance and worship God. Okay? Which is a fitting thing to do, you would say. However, however, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua sought the presence of God. He didn't simply seek to worship. He didn't stay in his own place. He went to the place where God was. And he sought the presence of God. And he separated himself from the rest who sought only to worship God. How often do we pursue the presence of God? And then he trusted God in all things. In Numbers 14 verse 6 to to 9. And it's. It's a passage you need to go and read for yourself. Okay? It's that moment where God has now brought the Israelites to the promised land. And he says to Moses, send the spies in to go have a look. Okay, and he's taught them about what the promised land is. And he sends the spies in. And the twelve come back and ten say, we cannot do this. And two, of which Caleb is one and Joshua is the other, come and say, man, it's the land of milk and honey. And two, they need two people to bring back one bunch of grapes. And they come and show the people the supernatural provision that is there. And the people rebel and God says, and they call themselves grasshoppers, they say, compared to those people, we are nothing. They have no identity of who they are in Christ. And because of that, that moment and the rebellion that arose out of that, God said, this generation will never enter the promised land. And they will be punished one year for every day that the spies were in the land, which is why they spent 40 years in in the wilderness and never made it to the promised land. Because they had lost their identity. They hadn't changed from a slave mentality yet. They hadn't moved to being children of God. They were still just hoping for freedom and not what God had. And in the wilderness, it was easy for them because when they were hungry, they said, God, I'm hungry. And they got given food. What they got didn't matter. They said, God, I'm thirsty. And then they they got water. God, we're sick. And they got healing. God, the snakes are killing our people. And they got got a, a serpent to look at. Everything, they were living from the hand of God. And they hadn't entered into the heart of God. God's heart has always been for us to live in the supernatural realm. In the promised land where everything is provided. Where we move from a place from, from being hand, getting handouts to reaping and sowing. To seed time and harvest. Where the land provides for you. But when these, when these guys came back in this passage from, from Numbers, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land. A land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because you will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Are we living in faith or are we living in fear of what's around us? Our country has challenges. Our neighborhood has challenges. Are we being dictated to by the challenges around us? Or are we living in faith that the land that God promised us is good? But that when these people, were, the passage refers to them tearing their clothes, they were imploring the people to not lose hope. They were pleading with the people to not lose faith. They were pleading with them not to rebel against God. How often are we out there pleading with people? How often are we praying for our communities? How often are we standing up for those who cannot see the opportunities that God has given us? One of the things that struck me as I was preparing for this is the number of times Moses fell flat on his face in front of God at the tent of meetings whenever he met with God. And pleaded with him not to destroy a rebellious nation. And God honored him. it's time for us to plead for our nation. To plead that God won't destroy them. That godlessness doesn't prevail. And then in Joshua chapter (coughs) 1. Is where God commissions Joshua. And so I'm going to... Verse 2 and 3, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, take his place, and cross over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land which I'm giving to them. To the sons of Israel, I've given you every place on which the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised to Moses. And I don't want to make this about Lesotho, but it is when I read that, I can. When we arrived in Lesotho for the first time. We stood out like a sore thumb. Okay, we were a group of white guys in a rural village where some of the children ran away from us because they'd never seen white people before. Okay, we had a choice to take the step and take the territory because God had sent us, or to walk away. Don't go where it's comfortable. Most of us want to minister in a place that we're comfortable with, where it's convenient. And God's calling us today to take everything. Take the step. Every step he gives you, every step you take, he'll give you the territory. And then in verse 6, he says, Be strong and confident and courageous, for you will give this people as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Do you know how many people are living in poverty today? Today, because they didn't know there are life policies or inheritances available, available to them that are stored up in some trust fund in, at an insurance company. There's money, there's an inheritance available to people who don't have it, because they don't know about it. You have an inheritance. You're a joint heir with Christ. You need to appropriate it. You need to release it. You need to set it free in your own life. But then he says, be strong and confident and courageous, for you will give us the inheritance of the land to which you' Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do everything in accordance with the entire law which Moses, my servant, commands you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right, so that you may prosper and be successful wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. God is... Guiding Joshua, Joshua, he says to him, my word may not depart from your mouth. You will spend day and night dwelling on my word, honoring my laws, honoring the commandments I've given you. And then you will be prosperous. Okay, many of us think we can come to church, we can pray, we can give our money, we can got to do what we like and still hope to be prosperous. It doesn't work like that. It is a lifetime commitment to move into the promised land. It's a commitment based on a relationship with a God who wants you to prosper. The only way you can know it is to know His word. You can't claim the promises if you don't know what the promises are. And then in Joshua chapter 3, and Grant's also just touched on this now, but... So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant w- went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood, okay, at the time when they're crossing. The Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap of gra- in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zaram. While the water flowing down to the sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing of dry ground. Where the presence of God is, impossible becomes possible. You can't be a carrier of the presence of God and not help people to change the impossible to possible. The requirement is you can't do it from a distance. You have to put your feet in the water of the stress that they're in. You have to be getting the water with them. You have to get your feet wet, in order for them to get through on dry ground. Where are you prepared to go? Where are you prepared to go? One of the things that was became an issue in Lesotho is that every time we went there, somebody came to me and said, "We want a job." Dutty Freddy, can you help me get me a job in Joburg? Or, you know, Dutty Freddy, I've taken my CV to the mine, but they don't phone me. Or if I get a job, I'm going. If I get a job, yeah. And I, it, it became an issue. And I said to God, what do we do? And Almarie knows the journey we went through with this thing, it became an issue. And eventually God said, we will bring money to Rampai. The money will come there. The jobs will find them there. We had a hard time convincing them. But we had to get in the water of poverty for them. So that they can cross on dry ground. And once they got to the other side and they saw the possibility of bringing their own jobs to Lesotho, to Rampai, things changed for them. They started to invest. They started to create companies. They, they have the, the infrastructure in place because somebody said, let's get in the water. The presence of God goes before you. Who do you know today that's facing the impossible? Why don't you take the presence of God to them? And then, Joshua 5, verse 12, says, And the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten some of the produce of the land. So the Israelites no longer had manna, but they ate some of the produce of the land of Canaan during that year. When they got into the promised land, they were eating a crop that they didn't plant. It belonged to the, to the Canaanites. But they had driven them out and they were eating from a field they didn't plant. It was then when the handout stopped. It was then when God didn't have to provide for them daily. Where they had a choice of what they want to eat. From the heart of God. The hand to mouth existence ceased as they entered a time of sowing and reaping. It wasn't easy. It was never going to be easy for them. Because as they prospered, as they found favor, other people became weary of them. Other people became concerned about them. And other kings decided to neutralize them. Then in Joshua chapter 21 it says, So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to, just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord, gave, the Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. God is faithful to fulfill his promises. Are you standing on his promises? Are you declaring his favor and his promises of your life every day? Are you saying to God, I'm, I'm st- trusting you? for this even in the battle even when it's tough to trust for the victory if you go into the place place of battle from a place of victory you cannot lose how many of us go through life go through saying I need rest all I want now is a break I need a place of rest. Then are you fighting from the place that God's given you? Are you operating from that place? If God says, I've given them rest on every side. Even in the midst of Corona, in the midst of COVID, God gives us rest. In the midst of an economic meltdown, God gives us rest. If you're not in that place, if you're not there, then I encourage you to explore with God. to Draw closer to God. Then in chapter 24, Joshua reviews his time because he's old and the, everything, all the battles have been won. And Grant mentioned the, the battle of Jericho, which was to go to God and every other city that, was, that they, they overpowered was to be shared between the different tribes. There were 13 battles fought in the promised land. The first one went to God, and every other tribe got what they were what was entitled to. But then in Joshua 24, he says, in, in verse, verses 12 and 13, I sent the hornet ahead of you, and he drove out the two Amorite kings before you, but not by your own sword or bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities that you did not build. And now you live in them, and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. How often, if you read through Joshua, was the victory won by God in the most creative ways? Okay, I mean, in one battle, the people are killed by hailstones. Yeah, okay, another battle, the, the wasps go and drive them away. All you've got to do is show up in number, in mass, for the struggles you're facing. And let God do the rest. It is not by your own might, but by God. And when you see the hornets, and it says, yeah, the hornets were, a, they were a, the people, the Israelites themselves, were afraid of the hornets. Okay, but they had to follow that thing that they were afraid of to see the victory. What's that thing that you're afraid of today that you need to follow to the point of victory? You see, Joshua went from a slave to a leader. My question to you today is, what are you a slave to? What do you need to be set free from today? What holds you back from stepping into the promised land? Joshua was the soldier. He was a commander of an army that wasn't equipped to be an army. Their first battle, they went in with horns and whatever else, silence. So he had a bunch of musicians, I think, um, and the presence of God. To conquer, a, to conquer a city. What battles are you going through now? In the wilderness that God's preparing you for the promised land for. Joshua got his training in the wilderness. And he led a people into the promised land. What are you struggling with? What are you t- and then in your current situation... You see, Joshua was a visionary. He was a seeker. And when they went into the promised land the first time and they came back, he didn't see the opposition. He didn't see the Goliaths. He didn't see the the well-equipped armies. He saw the provision. And in your current situation, are you currently faced with opportunity or opposition? Opposition. In the midst of coronavirus, are you facing opposition or opportunity? In your current situation, are you a victim or a victor? God has set us free. We have a choice. And until we can make the heads, the the mental shift, and the the posture of the heart, we can't move into the promised land. The finished work of Christ cannot be squandered. You cannot mess with it. You can only appropriate it or reject it. When Christ died on the cross, he said it is finished. He gave us a new identity, a new authority, a new purpose. You can either accept it or you reject it. And you walk through the you walk through the wilderness. Where are you today? Are you there to accept what Christ has offered us? Are you there to accept the inheritance that has been offered to us? Firstly, as a Joshua generation, we need to move into the promised land. We need to rise up and be counted. In a world that is trying to silence the church, rise up and be counted. Get into the waters and get your feet wet. God will do the rest. Show up for the confrontation because confrontation is coming. But God will lead the way. You see, Jesus, Joshua spent his entire life battle after battle after battle to defend the right of God's people to be in the promised land. We need to be that generation that listens to what's going on around us, in our own country, in our own community, and how the voice of God is trying to be silenced. And we need to rise up and say, we arise. We arise. We will go with discipline. We will go with order. And we'll go with the authority that He gives us. And so today, if you don't resonate with this life of freedom. If you are bound by slavery, if anything, if you're captive to anything that is not of God, if you're in an abusive relationship and you don't know how to get out, if you're addicted, if you have an addiction that you need to be set free from, if you're living in fear of what's going on around us, if there's anything that holds you captive today. If it's poverty that says uh, one day when my finances are better, I, I can. If your circumstances are stopping you from living in the fullness of God, then today I want to pray for you. I invite you today because just as God set the captives free, He sent His people from slaves, to, from captives to captives, from slave to, from slavery to freedom. So God wants to touch you today. And I encourage you, if there's anything in your life that you need to be set free from, to come forward now. We'd love to pray with you. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed today's message.